You know, we're in a study that uh, we've entitled Spiritual Warfare. And if we're going to be successful in this battle that we're in on a daily basis, we must understand who Jesus is. Jesus is more than just a person that we read about within the Bible. Jesus is more than a person that you, you see hanging on a wall on a cross sometimes. Jesus is just more than a fairy tale. We must understand who Jesus is. Now, go ahead and turn to Joshua chapter 5. We're going to begin there, but we got a number of scriptures this morning, so keep your Bibles open. In our first lesson on this series that we've entitled Spiritual Warfare, we saw the importance of knowing who the enemy is. In that lesson, we saw what we all know is the enemy is Satan. It's easy to say, say, yes, Satan is the enemy, but what does that really mean? We also learned that Satan is more than just an evil spirit being. We saw that he's called Satan because his name means adversary, and he's called the devil because his name means the accuser and the false slanderer by knowing just what those different names mean. I believe it gives us some insight to who our Satan actually is. Who is Satan? He's our adversary. He's our accuser before God. He's the false slanderer who is out to destroy our relationship with our Heavenly Father. He is a liar, the Bible tells us. And the Bible says he is the father of lies. Therefore, listen, everything Satan whispers in your ear is a lie because Jesus said he is a liar and the father of it. Then in our second lesson, we looked at just what uh, who we are in Christ. Because we are the children of God, folks, we are created in His image. We are created in His likeness. We therefore have authority, we saw in that lesson, over everything that God has created. Everything, authority over the plant kingdom, authority over the animal kingdom, authority over all that He has created. We also have authority, uh, uh, this earth promised to us as His people. Now what this means is, though Satan is the prince and the power of this air, God has promised the earth to His children. To His children, to those of us who know Him as Lord and Savior. Therefore, we as His children can defeat Satan and his demons no matter what kind of attack they bring upon us if we'll put on the whole armor that He provides for us on a daily basis. So up till now, we saw that in order to overcome this spiritual battle, we must know who the enemy is, And we must know just who we are in Jesus Christ. Now let's get some understanding about who Jesus is. We must know, if we are going to be successful, who Jesus Christ is. It's good to know we are in Christ. It's good to know who we are facing. But if we do not understand just who Jesus is, we're still not going to be able to survive in the heat of the battle. And trust me, we all have a battle on a daily basis. Some may not, but boy, if you don't, you know, you're of all men most blessed or all women most blessed because we all go through this battle on a daily basis if we're a child of God because Satan is seeking to destroy that relationship that you have with God. He does not want you in full fellowship. Therefore, he is going to come after you. He's going to attack you with all different types 
of things. So today, let's just see who Jesus is in, the, in terms of the spiritual warfare that we are in. You see, if you ask uh, most people, well, who is Jesus? They're going to say, well, Jesus is my Lord. Some will say, Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my God. On and on with who He is in terms of what He's done for us. But who is Jesus in the terms of our relationship during this spiritual battle that we face within our life? But what, we, what, is, what is He today for us when we're facing the enemy? The first thing we must understand about Jesus is this, folks. That He is our commander in chief. That's who Jesus is. He is our commander in chief in this time of battle. When you're going through a spiritual battle, you got to understand Jesus is there for you. He's there for you. He's there to give you strength. He's there to give you power. He's there to give you wisdom in overcoming any attack that Satan can bring upon you. Let's look at Joshua chapter 5 beginning with verse 13 because Joshua found out just who Jesus was when he was in a physical battle Joshua 5 beginning with verse 13 and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold there stood a man over against with a sword drawn in his hand and Joshua went unto him and he said unto him art thou for us or are you our adversary and he said nay but as captain of the host of the Lord I am now come. In other words, when God's child, Joshua, was in a battle, God came. But how did he come? Let's look at that. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto thy servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Loosen thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place wherein on thou standest is holy ground, and Joshua did so. Now, some say that this man that Joshua saw was simply Michael the archangel. In other words, Michael is mentioned many times within the Bible, and he comes with a sword. And some say, well, this angel that, 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 that Joshua saw, it was Michael who came to help him and to protect him. But I believe there's a strong case, folks, as you read this scripture, and we're going to break it down for you. I believe there's a strong case to show that this was not Michael, the archangel, who showed up to give Joshua what he needed to overcome his enemy. I believe that it was actually Jesus, maybe in the form of a man, maybe in the form of an uh, angel, but it was Jesus who showed up in the time that Joshua needed him the most. And I say that because there's some things here in this passage that indicate that the captain of the Lord's host was not a man and he was not an angel. Let's break this down and see. Joshua worshipped this captain. That's the first thing we see. What's it say? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and he did worship. He worshipped this angel, this person who was standing there before him in other places in the bible every time you see a person attempt to worship an angel the angel always tells them don't worship me i'm just like you do not worship me because i am a created being just like you're a created being and and again it, you know in the presence of an angel there there is no holy ground 
What did he say to him? Take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. Only being in the presence of our Lord, folks, is holy ground around. Only in the presence of Jesus Christ is there holy ground. So Joshua was instructed to move his shoes as he was standing on holy ground. If this had just been uh, Michael, if this had just been another angel, if this had just been some man, folks, holy ground would not have been present right there. The ground itself was not holy. What made it holy was the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, uh, let's see here. Let's uh, turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Let's, let's go on down to there. You see, so it wasn't this particular ground he was standing on. It was the presence of the Holy Lord. And again, just being in the presence of angels don't make it uh, holy. Only being in the presence of Jesus. But let's turn to Philippians 2, 9. Because Jesus is our commander-in-chief, folks, all powers are subject to him. Let's see what Paul had to tell the church at Philippi. Philippians 2, verse 9. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name. Now he's talking about Jesus, okay? That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, okay? Of things in heaven, of things in earth, and in things under the earth now look at verse 11 and that every tongue should confess that jesus christ is our lord to the glory of god the father now i want you to notice in this passage that all places are subject to our commander in chief all places all things in heaven all things on this earth and he says all things under the earth which would each of these would include this it would include in heaven, all angelical beings are subject to Jesus Christ. In earth, all human beings, and also the prince and the power of this earth, which is Satan, and all of his evil spirits are subject to Jesus Christ. And under the earth, all souls that are being held in, in, in the grave and in Hades this morning are subject to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He has a name that is exalted above all names. And it's in that name of Jesus, folks, that you're going to find the strength, you're going to find the power, you're going to find the ability to overcome anything that comes into your life as a result of an attack by the enemy. Because his name is exalted above all things on this earth all things including the power of satan and his demons look because of the holy holiness of our lord you know angelical beings are bowing down now before our lord and worshiping him because of the holiness of our lord all humanity will one day fall upon our knees and we will seek him and we will worship him and though satan today is the prince and the power of the air we're told in the word of god you know that that, that one day he too he too will fall down before Jesus Christ. He's going to be brought to his knees. He's going to be worshiping the Lord before he is cast into that bottomless pit forever and ever and ever. And every soul that has ever died, every person who has ever died, their soul is going to be resurrected and they too will fall upon their knees and they too, whether lost or saved, is going to worship Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, understanding who Jesus is, where did he come from? 
Do you ever think about that? Where did Jesus come from? Now, there are some who believe, and this, this, there are some religions out there. I could name them to you. But there are some religions out there that believe Jesus and Satan were both created by God and that Jesus and Satan are brothers. There's religions that believe that. Okay? Now, as brothers, one turned out good and one turned out bad. This is the belief of some. Now, we've already seen that God did create Lucifer. We saw that in our first lesson. But did God create Jesus as he did Satan? If so, did he create Jesus with a free will? Therefore, Jesus made the choice to not sin. Therefore, he is now considered the Son of God because he made the right choice. Or did he come from somewhere else? Hmm. As I've told you many times, I go by the plain sense rule when I'm studying the Bible. On Wednesday, uh, Sunday nights, I guess, in about three, four weeks, I think we've got four more lessons in 1 John, but we're going to start a study on the book of the Revelation on Sunday nights. And one thing I point out, not just with the book of the Revelation, but all throughout the Scripture, I use what I call the plain sense rule. And what the plain sense rule says is this. If the plain sense makes sense, don't look for any other sense, at least you end up with nonsense. Now, I think there's a lot of nonsense out there because of people trying to fit their perceived ideas of something they believe. And they try to get the Bible to fit what they already believe. Therefore, as they're looking at the Bible, they've got these preconceived ideas, and, and, and as they go through the Bible, they try to make the Bible fit what they already believe. And you're going to come up with a lot of nonsense when you do that, okay? They try to make the Bible align with their belief rather than making their belief line up with the Bible. But what is the plain sense of the Bible on this issue of where did Jesus come from? Here's the thing we can see. Jesus existed with the Father and the Holy Spirit from the very beginning of time. Plain sense rule. If plain sense makes sense, don't look for any other sense. At least you end up with nonsense. Turn with me, if you would, to, to John chapter 1. The Bible is its best translation. It's the best interpreter. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, and then we'll skip down to verse 14. Because the Bible here, is plain that Jesus existed from the very beginning with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. We could go back to Genesis 1 where God created, you know, the, uh, the uh, heavens and the earth and man. And what did he say? Let us make man in our own image. Well, who was us? Who was us? Who was he making reference to when he said let us make man? In our own image. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. Now you say, what's that got to do with Jesus? It says the Word was there. Let, let's read on. All things were made by Him. And without Him was uh, not nothing, anything made that was made. In him was life, 
And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. In other words, the light came to this earth, but the world would not accept the light because they loved darkness more than light. Okay, what does this passage have to do with Jesus? It doesn't even mention the name of Jesus, does it? Why did I pull this passage out? It doesn't say anything. It doesn't say in the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. It doesn't even say that. So, Pastor, how do you get, <coughs> excuse me, how do you get Jesus out of this? Well, let Scripture interpret itself. Go on down to verse 14. <coughs> and the Word was made flesh. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and full of truth look this passage makes it clear that jesus is the word that is mentioned in john 1 1 jesus is the word now, why do you think that the word, the name word is capitalized? Is it capitalized in your Bible? It should be. If not, get rid of that Bible. There's a reason that it's capitalized. Because, folks, it's talking about Jesus Christ. Okay? He is the word. The word was not created by God. What's that telling us? The word was with God in the very beginning. The word was God. And as such is the creator of all things. Not only is he creator of all things, but he also came to this earth, we're told, in the form of man in order to shine his light upon the dark, sinful world. And who did that? Jesus did. Jesus did. He is the one that came in form of man to shine his light on this dark and sinful world. So he left heaven and came to earth in human now turn to Philippians uh, 2 there, 5 through 11. We're going to see evidence of this again. How Jesus left heaven, he came to earth in the form of a human being. Philippians 2. I told you we were going to look at a lot of scripture. But I, 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 I compliment you. I don't see no dust coming out of nobody's Bible, so that's, that's a good sign. That means it ain't been sitting up on a shelf somewhere. Okay, here's what he says. Philippians 2 verse 5. Let this mind be in you. In other words, let your way of thinking, let your way of living, let your way be also which was in Christ Jesus. Now look at this. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and he took upon him the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of man. Now, who's the, who's the context? Who are we talking about here? Jesus. Okay? He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and came, became obedient unto death, even the death upon the cross. Now, is there any doubt this is talking about Jesus? I mean, because he did come in the fashion of a man. He did take a, a die upon the cross. So we know it's talking about Jesus. So this passage can't be any clearer that Jesus, who was from the uh, beginning, 
willingly left heaven, took on the form of the man, you know, came to this sinful world and died a cruel death upon the cross. And then as Paul goes on in verse 9 through 11, he tells us it was because of Jesus' selfless act of leaving heaven and coming in the form of the man that God gave him the authority to uh, become our commander-in-chief. Look at going down to verse 9 here in Philippians 2. Okay? Wherefore, now, what's wherefore mean? Wherefore is making reference to something that has already been said. What has already been said? That Jesus came to earth in the form of a human and he died on the cross. Okay? Because of this, wherefore could be translated because of this, because of what Jesus did, leaving heaven, coming in the form of the man, dying on the cross. Because of this, God has also exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things of heaven, of things of the earth, under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Look, there's no misunderstanding that Jesus is the Word, that the Word came to this earth in the form of a human, died upon the cross. Who is this Jesus? He is the one that left heaven, came to this earth, and died on the cross. Now, the scope and limits of Jesus' power and authority, because we just seen there in Philippians 2, 9, uh, 10, that he has authority over everything, everything on the, in heaven, everything on the earth, everything under the earth. So what is the scopes and the limits of Jesus' power and authority? Okay, there are no limits, folks, to the power and authority of Jesus Christ, whether it's in heaven, whether it's on this earth, or whether it's under the earth. Now, what's this mean for our commander-in-chief? It means this. No name is more powerful than the name of Jesus. When you're being attacked, remember that. No name is more powerful than the name of Jesus. Also, remember that all power is given unto him in heaven and in earth. Also, understand and remember that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, highly exalted at this very moment. And the thing I like about that, he's sitting there highly exalted, waiting on God to tell him, go bring my children home. Praise God. And the final thing that we see there is this. He has the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he has power over each and every one of them. Why do you think when Paul talked to the church at Thessalonica in chapter 4, he said, you know, there's a trumpet going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up to be with the Lord forever. How can that happen? Because, listen, Jesus holds the keys to death. He holds the keys to everyone who has ever died. And when that trumpet sounds, when he splits that eastern sky, because he has the keys of death, hell, and the grave, you know, every person who has ever died in Christ is going to be resurrected. Because he has the power on things of this earth, those of us who still are alive are going to be able to be caught up because he has the power and the authority to carry that out. So as a result of all this, we have the assurance that Jesus' victory is our victory. Don't forget that. His victory is our victory. Turn to 1 John 5. 1 John 5. Warned you ahead of time. Keep your Bibles open because we've got a lot of Scripture, more than normal. 
but I don't want you to miss who Jesus is and understand exactly who he is. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. Don't miss this because he has the power and authority and we are in him. Folks, we have the ability to overcome anything Satan is throwing at you this morning. Understanding who he is. Here's what John has to say. For whatsoever is born of God. What's that next word? Say it loud. Overcometh the world. Whosoever is born of God. That means whosoever has accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, you have the authority available to you to overcome anything Satan may throw your way. He has the, we have the ability to overcome the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. In other words, if you have the faith that Jesus has the authority, and that if you have the faith that you can tap into that authority, you can overcome anything this world throws your way. Look at verse 5. He asked the question, well, who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you know what he's saying there? The only ones that can overcome the attacks by Satan is those who have accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. Listen, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, you do not have that power and authority available to you. Only those who have accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. So if you're being attacked on a daily basis by Satan, folks, and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, that power is not there available to you. That authority to say no to Satan, that authority to say get thee behind me, Satan, is not available to you. Because, I mean, it's clear right there. Uh, who is he that overcomes the world? He that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Look, if you know Jesus as Lord and your Savior, you know, uh, uh, you know, don't whine and cry that you're not able to overcome some sin in your life. Don't moan and grow that life is always throwing you a curveball and nothing seems to go right in your life. Who is he that overcomes the world? Let me hear it. He that knoweth Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Look, if you truly know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, victory is yours. If you choose to have victory, you know, whether it's victory over Satan's everyday attack or some habitual sin that you work at a wrestling with on a daily basis, if you've been saved and you're still involved in some habitual sin in your life, listen to me, you ain't going to like this, but it's because you're choosing that sin over your relationship with Christ. I didn't hear too many amens on that. I'll pay you $10 to say amen. No, I won't either. Yeah, yeah, everybody will do it for money. But listen, folks, that's a fact. Listen, we don't like hearing this, okay? But if you're still involved in some habitual sin in your life, it's only because you're choosing that sin over your relationship with Christ. I'm talking to saved people right now. Because you have the authority to say no to that sin. Okay? Don't say you can't overcome the addiction of drugs. Don't say you can't overcome the addiction of alcohol. 
Don't say you can't uh, overcome the addiction of pornography or any other sin that has you bound. Listen, be honest with yourself. Okay? Be honest with yourself and admit that you would rather be addicted to it than addicted to Jesus. Say that again. You would rather be addicted to that than addicted to Jesus or you would say no to that. Victory is yours, listen, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. For whatsoever is born of God, we're told, overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, your faith in Jesus Christ. I like the way the New, uh, tra- uh, New Living Translation translates that. Look at the way this, this is great. For every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. That's a fact, folks. That's a fact. The faith you have in Jesus Christ, if you're saved, gives you the authority and the power to say no to any temptation Satan may throw your way. It gives you the power and authority to overcome any sin within your life. It gives you the power and authority to look the devil in the eye and say, get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus set that example for you. Are you following that example? Look, if you're here this morning, again, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, that power and authority isn't available to you. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the one, because of his love for you, he made a decision to leave heaven, Come to this earth in the form of man. Go through the beating, the crucifixion, in order that you could have a relationship with the Father. And in doing so, it gave you, as one of his children, the power to overcome anything this world may throw your way. And how do you achieve that? Through the faith you have in Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you're going through some things in your life and you say, I just can't seem to overcome this. This thing just keeps keeps me bound. Jesus can break those chains this morning if you'll just give your life to him. Child of God, if you're already saved and you've still got these things that just seems to keep you bound, The Bible says you can have victory through the faith you already have in Jesus Christ if you just trust in him. So we're going to have a song of invitation here in just a moment. Two things. If you're not saved, I want to invite you to come up here. Let, let 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 us get you to the cross. Let us get you to Jesus Christ so you can begin, you know, fighting with victory those things that are you're wrestling with in life. Child of God, if there's some things that you're putting before the Lord, if there's some things that you're you're choosing to hold on to rather than surrendering fully to Jesus Christ, maybe you need to bring those things down at this altar and leave them. And leave them. Let's pray.